0: You can also gain access to our found footage show, the Weird Tape series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. This part of town is probably a little... different than the spots you're used to haunting. While you were working down on Brookman Ave, I mean. I guess you might call these the, uh, deeper burrows of the city. (laughs) Place is growing all the time.
2: During my stint at the sleep lab, I wandered many parts of New Vic, but nowhere like this. It was practically the other side of the moon. The membrane between sleep and waking was thinner, more conducive to currents of deepest nightmare, the harrows. Consequently, the look of the place was even more terrifying. The shallower parts of the city, what I was used to, (laughs) at least made some attempts, weak though they may have been, to adhere to the Victorian flourish of their initial construction. Here, Victorianism was an afterthought at best. Replacing the waking vintage styles were the visceral outlines of emergent nightmares, framed in cracked stone, groaning wood, and corroded steel. The buildings and streets went wherever they wanted, irrespective of common sense, to say nothing of the laws of physics. Impossibly tall clock towers skewered the shiftless heights. Sidewalks wandered and weaved like spasmodic serpents. Massive amber windows shone from high, dark places. Alien shadows crowding the glass, peering down. And despite the colossal and bizarre spectacle of it all, none of it was visible from outside the city. Like Kujas said, the place was expanding to the dimensions of inner space, a swelling tumor upon the invisible flesh of the collective unconscious. <laughs> all the time I'd spent in the city, and I had no idea.
1: Before they took off, this was where most of the wakeless dwelt. The deep dreams helped to support the bulk of their true forms, all squeezed up into the tiny human bodies they were forced to occupy, so as to get anywhere near the waking spheres. I guess you might compare them to the giant sauropods that waited in the lakes all day long to help hold up their weight. Which makes you all the more perplexing little sister, out the waking world, nary a care about you, stocked with all their strengths and none of their weaknesses. Now, I wonder why that is.
2: You got me swinging, Spider-Man.
1: Not yet I don't.
2: Coojus, why don't you just drop the Halloween theatrics? There might have been a time when you could have moved the needle, but not anymore.
1: I know. You're a rock star now. Sugar iced himself a prince of below. You did the great and terrible queen of the Carnivian. And brother boy put a hole in the inimitable spider black. No mean feats
2: so why bother with all your bullshit
1: force a habit I guess or that there's something all too human left in you something that never really forgets how to scream
2: what you think I couldn't make you scream kujas you should have heard the sounds Batna made while she was roasting alive in her own fires <laughs>
1: Just making small talk. No reason to get all hot under the collar. But you made your point. You're a monster. Just like the rest of us.
2: There was a slyness to Kujis I didn't like. All percolating venom and ensnaring webs. Ugh. He was rapidly becoming my least favorite sibling. Huh, so that's why the Wakeless need you. The Merlings to go where they can't to do their dirty work.
1: That's exactly what they need us for, little sister. And why they won't after the next big darkness blows through.
2: So what do the Wakeless actually do anyway? Besides hang out here and look scary?
1: They're the ones who see Shagoran's will done. Lift his dreams from the Harrow's Spread nightmares like a plague, to make the worlds without him identical to those within him. It's their eyes, don't you know? They channel his power, his nightmares. Blue eyes, Rosemary, just like yours.
2: Kojas's words stabbed through me like a knife that I was simply one of the many windows of God. The God of Nightmares peered through. But I wasn't gonna let him see he'd rattled me. Well, I'm not the only one in the family who can pull off the eyes. Carface is able to do it. I've seen it myself.
1: Our father did that to him. It was a gift. See, back in the beginning, there was a wakeless by the name of Helstis. Now... This guy was a real up-and-comer, risen from the harrows to challenge our father's reign. At some point, Helstus got into a little kerfuffle with Carface, who nearly got his front end completely torn off. Our father took the two of them below to, uh, discuss the matter. Well, only Carface came back up, Sporting a brand new grill, and bright blue peepers built right into his headlights. It gave the Wakeless second thoughts about trying to steal the city away from our father.
2: And now they're all gathered down there, waiting for something.
1: Seems to be about the size of it.
2: If he's killed one of the Wakeless before, why doesn't Gloomhest just wring the truth out of Drauker?
1: Things changed after the great darkness, the world became more... pliable. The upshot was that the wakeless weren't as limited as they were before. Now they could come closer to the surface, for longer amounts of time. Exercise their... I mean, Shigorin's will with greater effect. Mind you, not enough to tilt the scales in their favor... But enough to make things more... balanced.
2: And another great darkness just might put them over.
1: Bingo. Give the little lady a cigar.
2: Following close behind my tour guide, his long coat sewn from millions of the blackest webs dragging upon the ground behind him, We came upon a section of the city that looked more like a metropolitan cave. There was no gate to the thing, just an irregular passage that yawned above the warped brambles dominating the left side of the street, where gas lamps hung from drooping copper poles, the dimmest blue light sloughing from their fractured glass. The lack of formality made the place look incidental, just one of countless warped passages into darkness. But once Kujas and me stepped beyond its rambling threshold, I could see the place was anything but incidental. In true nightmare fashion, the place was bigger on the inside than the outside. <laughs> a lot bigger. The air inside felt heavier, charged with a kind of static energy that raised the fine hairs on my arms. The cavernous space stretched outward, spilling over with structures that defied geometry. Alien outposts twisted into themselves like the loops of a Mobius strip, while bridges suspended between them seemed to float without support. Above us hung a subterranean sky of damp stone. Large holes occasionally interrupted its expanse. The occasional flutter of movement from within suggested that something up there might be watching us as we passed beneath. The area was a study in impossibilities, a place where the laws of physics held even less dominion than before. Kujis, his face an unreadable mask beneath his hood of spiderwebs, didn't pause to see if I followed. There was a solemnity to his steps, a purpose that told me he'd walked this path many times before. I hurried after him, my shoes clacking against stone that seemed to absorb the sound and smother it. This place? What the hell is it? Kuja stopped and turned. His eyes had multiplied since he'd last faced me. Six black pearls now peered through the dim blue light.
1: A vein of nightmare that unwinds from the heroes. It'll take us to where you want to go. But I'll warn you right now, little sister. Given your, uh, lingering human sensibilities... It likely won't be the cheeriest stroll you've ever taken.
2: <laughs> you let me worry about my human sensibilities. Just get me to the Harrows.
1: Suit yourself. But you were warned.
2: By the time we arrived at a place where strange machines had largely overtaken the presence of dripping stone, Kujis had done away with quite a bit of his human form, assuming a spider-like shape that was fairly massive, but graceful all the same. I figured it was more of a pragmatic choice than an attempt to frighten me, as the going was rough and jagged and not easily navigated by the human form. In fact, about halfway through our little jaunt, I'd elected to float my way along. There was a small pleasure in being able to use my powers on a whim, not having to tuck them away like dirty secrets. And in the belly of Nuvik, they required substantially less effort to exercise and maintain.
1: This here's our ride.
2: Kuja stood on a wide mechanical platform, something like a cargo elevator. While it was clearly some type of machine, The surrounding devices that supplied its function were eerily organic. They even seemed to breathe. Pulling a lever that looked like a jutting femur bone, the platform wheezed and buckled as if waking from slumber. The round edges of the dais withdrew from the surrounding earth and metal, contracting like a pupil, and we slowly descended into darkness.
1: That's the sound of wakeless industry. What holds up the city, expands it. It's also the sound of millions of sleeping souls being subjected to the worst nightmares imaginable.
2: He didn't need to tell me. I could see the flood of nightmares surging all around us, the psychic effulgence of countless nightmaring minds. They were playing against the ether of the place. A vast movie screen filled with horrible images. My eyes blazing, I pushed the images away, stuffing them into the darkest corners of my mind, where I wouldn't have to look directly at them. As the platform leveled out with the floor below, the physical source of all the psychic anguish came into focus. Thousands upon thousands... Thousands of sleepers twisting above row after row of ragged black beds, their bodies partly obscured by the translucent silk sheets that billowed in the cold subterranean wind. I should have been shocked or angry, but all I felt was shame. I was powerless to help them, at least not without risking the chance to stave off the next darkness. I was suddenly Isaiah performing a moral calculus, determining who should live and die and suffer.
1: I wouldn't get any ideas about running in there, Baelic swinging. One, because they're beyond hope, just organic machines incubating the next batch of nightmares. And two, because the weightless guardians you don't see will eat you alive, and digest you through a million nightmares, before shitting you out as a stinking pile of screaming regret.
2: Up to that point, my standard for inhumanity was the scream eaters. But now, I wasn't sure. At minimum, I could spare a dozen or so people their endless suffering before I was stopped or killed, but... I was actively choosing to let them suffer. Because in my infinite wisdom, I deemed them less deserving than the other people I might save. Maybe it was time I updated my most inhuman list, put myself closer to the top of the heap, along with the wakeless.
1: I told you you wouldn't like the view.
2: Rage turned in my guts at the monster who casually rode off untold numbers of tortured innocents. But I kept it all down. I had to. Jolting to a halt, the gears and rotors beneath the platform growled and snapped as they switched tracks. With a slight lurch, we started moving sideways, down a passage that led through the lines of squirming sleepers.
1: I can tell you're mad. Even more than mad. But it's the way we all go, isn't it? There ain't a thing alive that don't need to kill to stay that way. Some things are just better at it is all. When everything gets boiled down to the broth, we're all just flies caught in someone else's web. And that's coming straight from the spider's mandibles.
2: <laughs> are you trying to console me, Kujus?
1: <laughs> Not really, no. I'm just narrating the moment. Where in the web you found yourself.
2: Well, do me a favor and narrate to yourself. I've had all the atheism and moral relativism I can stand for one life.
1: Nah, I think I'll do what I want. Thanks, though. You gotta wonder, don't you? I mean, if those entities above us seem bereft of mercy, and it's mercy and morals that's got you down, making living difficult isn't the smartest move to let them go.
2: You fuckers are all the same. You're just itching to get under someone's skin. You don't give two shits about how or why I feel. You just want a reaction that you cause, to quicken your inhuman ego. Well, I'm as immune to that bullshit as I am to your scare tactics. Framing the chamber of countless sleepers were ragged black bedskirts. They poured down from above, billowing like the jetty waves of a vertical sea catching the sour currents of air that whispered past. Once inside the room, the ceiling came into view. Massive cross beams of moaning wood replaced the damp stone. Above them, rusted lengths of iron crisscrossed the darkness, all of it designed to appear like the underbelly of a colossal ruined bed. What
1: you're currently looking at is state-of-the-art weightless engineering. A brand new way of channeling the purest, most powerful nightmares imaginable.
2: I'm not sure what you mean. Black beds aren't exactly new. I've seen them all over the place.
1: You'll see. Look over there, at the one that seems about ready to give up the ghost.
2: He aimed a hooked appendage at one of the beds, where the sleeper screamed out and went still. Dead. In a matter of moments, large mechanical pinchers descended from above, plucked the corpse from the bed and tossed it into the shadows. With the body disposed of, the pinchers seized the bed, lifting it high into the darkness and placing it atop a raised platform of interwoven mechanical tubers. The coiling metal jerked to life at the touch of the bed, squirming and thrusting themselves beneath the torn bed skirting smoke and screams tumbling out as the devices went about their tainted business. As the billowing exhaust and shrieking mounted, the dark sheet stirred. A rhythmic pulsing tossed it higher and higher, and a low growl overtook the air as a singular hideous shape coalesced from the individual spasms beneath the bed covering. Something wicked reached up from the vibrating mattress, The rounded shape narrowed to long curving points, claws and teeth that began tearing at the sheet, the membrane between worlds. Erupting from the shredded fabric, a gangrenous flood of unclean flesh stretched out newborn limbs, hellish instruments made only for rending and killing. Its overall shape was compound nightmare, divided between leering faces and crowds of swaying claws. It poured itself from the bed, drawing upright upon dozens of mismatched appendages, all of them clicking and clacking across the metallic platform. If I didn't miss my guess, it was born from the fear of crowds. I'd seen more than enough iterations of the theme, but nothing as concentrated as this thing. Growling as we passed, it sounded like the combination of a crowded room and a trilling pride of hungry lions. Who just leered back at it, six dead black eyes in a forest of clicking mandibles, issuing a wicked rebuttal.
1: Go ahead, pal. Jump if you're feeling froggy. Be ashamed to die on your birthday, though.
2: Before the two nightmares could take things further, cloaked figures from behind the newborn horror, took it gently by a set of its flailing limbs and escorted it off the platform and into the darkness beyond.
1: (laughs) Some monsters lack the good sense of the minds that made them.
2: (laughs) Huh, yeah. Who would have thought a living, breathing nightmare would be so hostile?
1: Or so sarcastic. But here you are.
2: Ugh. I was a living nightmare. I'd never put it together so plainly before. So disturbingly. Well, there was no doubt about it now. I liked Kujis the least of all of us. The platform slipped through a small opening in the wall.
1: Here we are at last where you wanted to go.
2: The darkness parted like septic floodwaters, revealing another endless horrible expanse. Fields of naked, shivering sleepers lay in piles that stretched out beyond sight, all surrounding an immense four-poster bed unlike any I'd seen before. The size of a sprawling two-story building... The bed's frame was made of knotted fire-blackened wood. The corner posts were slathered in grotesque iconography. The canopy, a thick, dark fabric, fluttered like a pirate standard over black waters. A grave piece of art all by itself. The headboard featured nightmare scenes, twisted landscapes, shadowy figures, faces stretched in terror. The footboard channeled the same themes, only smaller. Amongst the expansive carpet of shifting humanity surrounding the bed, wound a faint suggestion of a path leading up to it and down into the harrows.
1: Old thrice mad Silas Holmes wrote something about this, and I quote Infernal deaths call with a siren's yell, a journey begun, descending into the eternal below.
2: Krugus was sounding a little too much like Virgil. And I, like Dante, braced for the ninth circle of hell.
3: The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anselon. Be sure to check us out at www.meltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Meltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia.